Welcome to the With Clarity and Purpose podcast with your host, Janet Borrego. Each week, I bring you an inspiring person or message to empower you to live life on your terms so you can be who you want to be, do what you are meant to do, and have the life you deserve to have. We will provide you with practical and cutting-edge approaches to continue getting clarity and direction on your path, mastering your mindset, and gaining confidence to tap into your inner wisdom so you can live on purpose. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of With Clarity and Purpose. And today I am beyond excited because I have a very special guest that I admire and respect deeply, Dr. Chloe Bañales. Welcome to the podcast, Chloe. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We were just chatting a little bit earlier before we hit record about how much has transpired in the last six, seven months or so, and what we're excited about. So I imagine we'll talk through some of that here as well. Yeah, so just a quick background for everyone in the audience. So Chloe and I met, I had known Chloe through social media, somehow we had connected in Instagram, but we met through the integrative NLP coaching that the Empowerment Inc. company offers. And I was Chloe's, I had the pleasure of being Chloe's uh, mentor coach as she was getting certified. And oh my God, after that, she has done so much more. So I cannot wait to introduce her. (laughs) So as a doctor of Chinese medicine, peak performance coach and trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, Dr. Chloe is the founder of Ascended Alchemy. I love that name. Dedicated to supporting purpose-driven leaders in avoiding their next level of health and performance. With years of clinical experience focused on how our mental and emotional health manifest through our physical body and vice versa, Dr. Chloe's work is dedicated to helping clients connect the strength of their mind to the wisdom of their body so they can finally end patterns of burnout and feel empowered in their health journey. Not only that, when she's working with clients online and in person, Dr. Chloe incorporates Chinese medicine, which I'm very curious about, and we are going to talk about it. Esoteric acupuncture, NLP, mental and emotion release, hypnosis, human design, gene keys, and quit smoking in 60 minutes, which she just got certified on that. So I'm sure at the end of the podcast episode, we are going to tell you all about how to contact Dr. Chloe to assist her clients healing process at the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical levels. I mean... Chloe, Dr. Chloe, I'm so proud that we are connected and we are here because as I said at the beginning of the episode, you're someone that I deeply am inspired by you. I see everything you're doing while supporting your community and I'm just honored to have you in the podcast today. So thank you again. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. I need to keep you in my pocket so I can hear that more often. (laughs) I'll send you a recording. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. 
I love it, Chloe. So I always start the podcast interview with asking every guest about your background. I mean, what is your background? What is your heritage? Were you born here somewhere else? Like, tell us about it. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in San Diego. Most of my family is here in San Diego. It's where I'm coming from today. And I grew up as an athlete. I think that this is a large part of what fueled my desire for growth, for getting better, and also observing what makes the best players, the best people, the best leaders, the best. And this really fueled a lot of my learning or passion for learning. So not only do I love, I'm a proud nerd, love learning about academics, health, peak performance, even mindset and how our brain really works. I love learning more about that so that I can, of course, utilize that for myself and also share that with my clients and the people around me. So as a kind of a long story short, right after college, I actually majored in kinesiology from San Diego State. I experienced that same kind of drive. I was like, I'm ready to go. I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist, maybe an athletic trainer. So I had that same ambition and drive. However, maybe some of your audience can resonate with the dark side of ambition where it was just like, go, go, go all the time until I started to actually neglect my body. I tried to sleep for only two hours a night. Fun fact, we can survive longer without food and drinking water than we can without sleep. I didn't know that. Yeah, I learned that the hard way. So that ended up with a really face like confronting panic attack that led to a about three to four months of clinical depression where the body was just like, whoa, we need to chill out here. So the dark side of ambition really allowed me to take a break see what was important and what was I chasing actually. And ultimately this led to me meeting my first acupuncturist. I was in the process of weaning off prescription medication for depression and finally felt like I was able to rest. The prescription was amazing as a bridge to help me get back to functioning at a baseline that was supportive for me and my goals. And then through acupuncture, I started to feel like more of myself again. The joy actually started to come back. Then I started to ask him, how do you do what you do? Like, what the heck are you doing? This is really interesting because in Chinese medicine, he explained the mind and the body are inseparable. I was like, okay, that makes sense. And sometimes we know things. And when someone else reflects that back to us, maybe you've had this experience too. It's like, oh yeah, of course. It's not something new. It's just one of those like, Of course. We know that. So that was my experience. And he mentioned, hey, it's going to be a tough academic career and it'll be so worth it if it's something you're excited about. So I tried a semester and then four years later, I got my master's. And then on my last day of my master's class, I applied for the doctorate program because that that (laughs) would open more doors because while the mind-body connection or that mind-body conversation is so much more prominent now. Even just a few years ago, some people would still have a little bit hesitations or reservations about it. Mm -hmm. So I knew that that title, I knew that that degree specifically would help to open more doors and offer a prestige that would help me then therefore share more about this research, share more about the evidence that Chinese medicine has been founded upon for over 3000 years. Wow. 
Chloe, that is an amazing background. And I love it because your story resonates with mine in a very different way. <laughs> and honestly, our audience is all about that. They are seeking that fulfillment, their purpose, even though they may have success in some way. I mean, success may be different to every person, but society perceives success in a different way that is sometimes very different to how we perceive it ourselves. Funny enough, a panic attack in my journey was also <laughs> one of my wake-up calls. And to be honest with you, no one had ever talked to me about a panic attack. I didn't know what was happening. I thought I was dying because my left arm just went to sleep. And I remember thinking to myself, if I die just right now, I'm not happy with where I'm at in terms of career, in terms of fulfillment, in terms of finding myself. What is, I mean, going back to this panic attack, which is a recurring theme here, what is that a sign of, like in your body and your mind, just having a panic attack? Yeah, that's a big question for maybe your audience already getting to know you or maybe someone who's new here with both me and Yannette being trained in neuro-linguistic programming, one of the themes of NLP is perception is interpretation. Yeah. So in my experience and what I've really seen in my work with other clients and clinically as well, is that there is a mental, emotional, and a physical, even an energetic kind of aspect perspective of what might be considered a panic attack. For me at the physical level, I wasn't fueling or taking care of my body enough. So I actually shut down in a way because it ran out of resource pretty much. When we sleep, that's our opportunity to actually regenerate every single night, just like we plug in our phone to charge it back up. That's what sleep does for us. And it even activates a really cool system. We don't have to get into the nitty gritties, the glymphatic system that actually washes excess debris from our brain. It's kind of like a car wash for your brain. Wow. So if you can imagine the effects of not sleeping or sleeping well on the mental and emotional bodies, if we're not getting that full regeneration, that full kind of car wash for mind and body, how that would manifest mentally and emotionally, where during sleep, this is where our emotions kind of get integrated as well, our learnings from the day. So when it comes to a panic attack, it might be, like you mentioned, it was that sign. It was that, hey, let's pay attention to something right now. For me, it was similar as well. It was that spiritual, mental, emotional, <laughs> like wake up call. It was an opportunity to see that something was out of alignment in a really big way. There's a saying, and maybe if I find it, I'll send it to you. I'm not <laughs> sure who exactly quoted this, where the body will talk in whispers. We'll get these little hints. And if we continue to ignore them, bypass them, suppress them, the messages will continue to come. And so as a result of that, energetically, we could think about, hey, this panic attack, what weren't you listening to before this? And maybe get some clarity on that kind of idea. So they are definitely preventable from a physical, mental, emotional, and even energetic perspective. That is beautiful. And in my case, I love the emphasis on sleep. In my case, to be honest, I was ignoring my God. I was ignoring mm -hmm. my values over and over. I knew that whatever I was doing, it wasn't making me happy. It wasn't making me fulfilled. And I kept just thinking about it, but I kept feeling like I was a victim of, of the circumstance. Like I couldn't mm -hmm. do anything. And that feeling of being powerless 
I'm feeling like that every single day. That's what built up that energy in my body. So my body said, okay, this is it, right? And that's when I got into the panic attack. It was just so interesting because I had never experienced something like that. <laughs> yeah. It is really cool how we all different. I mean, it seems for you was more physical in a way. And for me was more like that mental and emotional component too. So that is so cool. Thank you so much for sharing. So doctor of Chinese medicine, you initially studied kinesiology. So how was that transition even before the panic attack? How did you know? I mean, what were you feeling in your gut? I mean, how did you know and how did you gain clarity on what the next step was for you? Absolutely. That's such a great question. And something that I think about when I look back to SDSU, that was over a decade ago, and how there was leading up to that experience after graduating, there was always a little bit like, a, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next at the end of every semester? Because it's still kind of funny and crazy where we ask 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds to know exactly what they want to be doing with their life. Mm. I was that person who didn't actually know what I wanted to do. I had some ideas. So that sense of clarity, now looking back, hindsight 2020, I could see what was the common thread between now and then has been a sense of curiosity and a willingness to experiment. And so what had helped me through that evolution at SESU where I wanted to be an athletic trainer, I knew that growing up as an athlete, I like sports, I like athletics, that sounds like it could be a good career. And then I had a class at SCSU where all we did was watch film of different injuries happening on the field and how we were supposed to respond to them. And I almost threw up. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's kind of a lot. How would I go on the rehab side? And then I considered and it was on the track to become a physical therapist, more so on the rehab side, still working with athletes, still helping others, that kind of thing. And so even at that point, I had some ideas about A, I wanted to help others. And B, I needed to do work that I loved. And while yes, during grad school and during undergraduate school, I was working in the service industry. I was a server. I was a bartender. I was in the bar industry as a bottle service girl at 1.2. And sure, it wasn't work that was necessarily, quote unquote, a part of my purpose. And it was sustaining me so that I can continue to build on my purpose. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. I loved talking to people. I loved the people I worked with. So it was still enjoyable. So I even looked at what I was doing that wasn't a part of my quote unquote purpose to see, okay, what's another common thread here? It's working with people. I'm not behind a desk. I'm on my feet. I'm moving. I have flexibility in my schedule. I was able to really connect the dots. And then through that process, I was listening for those that guttural, mm -hmm, yeah, I really like this, or I'm really excited about this. And when I would get those, I would then talk to trusted resources, friends, hey, this is what I'm excited about. Can you see me doing this? And then taking some of that reflection and seeing what spurs from that conversation. And tangibly over the course of many, many years, this has looked like thinking about who I want to work with, what problems I could help solve for them and how I could solve those, help them solve those problems. So that has evolved from after in grad school, actually, when I was in acupuncture school, I started coaching clients. I started coaching clients after 
having some phenomenal experiences with coaches myself. And then I started to really love going to events. So I started to host my own events. I hosted entrepreneur networking groups under the name, The Pineapple Project. And then that evolved into hosting community events, specifically experiential cannabis dining series, where people would be able to learn more about the endocannabinoid system and using this plant medicine in a medicinal way. That then evolved to putting a kind of a pause and taking only one or two coaching clients while I studied for my board exams and then took on a job in LA where I lived for a couple of years. After leaving that, still always having this little bit of like entrepreneurial fire, like Mm -hmm. there's something more, there's something more. I then started my acupuncture practice in Santa Monica, and that was mostly geared around acupuncture. And so all in-person clients. And finally, the timing worked out where I graduated from my doctorate program. And I finally had two weeks open to attend the master practitioner training for NLP, mental emotional release and hypnotherapy. So that was a part of like, oh, this really excites me. This is how I would love to support the people I'm working with. And this is how it can support them. So the NLP, the hypnotherapy, mental emotional release fit right in with those kind of questions I was asking myself as I continue to evolve with that clarity, knowing that it's not something that I was going to find. It was more so something that would reveal itself as I continue to take action empty out, something I tell my clients a lot is that practice of emptying out so that there can be space for something to drop in and then holding that space until something drops in, knowing that it's that action that typically creates clarity and the lessons that usually come only as a result of taking action, moving forward and following that curiosity, which has ultimately led to today and doing majorly or mostly coaching. And then for their breakthrough sessions, Usually people will fly in or drive in depending on where they're coming in for esoteric acupuncture as a part of the breakthrough session. Oh, I love that. And after you had your panic attack, what would you say was the lesson from there? Because there is always a lesson as we say in NLP, right? What was the lesson for you? Big lesson for me was that I was no good if I wasn't taking care of myself even if I had the biggest, most grandest, most generous plan to take care of anyone else around me. It was kind of the idea building off of that, that time, yes, it's a very valuable resource and also energy. I will argue that it's even more valuable than time. The way that I like to put this is that I had a good amount of time. I was in between SDSU and pursuing what would be the path to become a physical therapist. So there was time I was definitely doing a lot with my time and I was making the most of my time, but what I was lacking was sustainable energy. So an example I give others is if someone has a week long vacation, the coolest itinerary, and then they get there, they land on the plane, they step outside, they get to the hotel, check in and they fall asleep because they're so exhausted. They have all the time. They've got the vacation planned out. Yet if the energy is not there, Mm -hmm. then it's a very different experience. If we don't have the resources physically, energetically, mentally, or emotionally, it dilutes what we could do with that time. So something I'll remind my clients of is that energy can be our biggest asset or it can be our greatest liability. So cultivating that, honoring that, and listening to that 
is going to be such a paradigm shift. It's a different way of living, truly. That's beautiful. And we are going to tap more into energy when we talk about being energized, which is one of the biggest desires, I think, of my audience and a lot of people. I wanted to share my lesson, too, from that panic attack. Please. (laughs) Something that I learned from there was not to wait until I hit crisis or rock bottom to make a change that is aligned with myself, you know, because many... I've learned that the hard way during that panic attack, but many people wait until they are against the wall to make a change that sometimes you might be afraid of making it like any change, but you know, that's the right thing. You know, that's the aligned step to take. So for me, that was the biggest lesson. And now, and I say the same to my clients. Now I try to be as proactive as I can just listening at my God, like you say, at my energy and just making that change out of joy and abundance rather than out of crisis and fear or everything else. I'm sure you identify with that because we all have been there. (laughs) Big time, big time. I love it. So thank you so much for explaining how you got into the clarity piece. For someone who is not familiar with Chinese medicine or acupuncture, just like me, how would you explain that field, you know, to someone who doesn't speak the language? (laughs) Absolutely. So Chinese medicine has been around for over 3000 years. It's timeless wisdom that is an entire medical system. So this includes acupuncture, herbology, nutrition, breathing exercises like qigong or tai chi and it also was very philosophical as well like i mentioned before there was no separation between mind and body they actually practiced and they lived knowing that any kind of disharmony emotionally can actually cause injury to the internal organs and when i say cause injury to the internal organs it might not mean it's actually like directly harming the liver, but it's more so the organ system. So when it comes to something like a great example could be if someone listening, maybe they're thinking of a big meeting coming up or a big presentation or the date that they're going on with someone new and their stomach begins to knot. This is an example of our emotions essentially moving the chi in a specific way that would cause our body, our physical body to knot. And then we feel it physically as well as emotionally and or mentally as well. So this was a really beautiful thing there. I also like to describe Chinese medicine as a lens or a opportunity, a different approach to viewing reality. So because I borrowed this from another physician who described Chinese medicine as a lens that's kind of like observational biology. It was founded upon, these theories were founded upon observing the nature around us, observing the nature within us. So everything from Chinese medicine is really an attempt to return us back to our natural way of being, to prioritize optimal flow both within our body and us with our energy around us as well. So it's living seasonally, both seasons around us and within our own season of life, whether we are certain ages or going through specific things in our life, etc., Oh my God, that's amazing. So in practical ways, I mean, I love your explanation. If someone is like, okay, how do I even use 
what Chinese medicine is about in my day-to-day, if I'm feeling this or that, in big buckets, I know acupuncture is one of them, is that right? It <laughs> in is. big buckets, what would that be? Like acupuncture, maybe like herbs and I don't know, like environment or what would totally. So environment could be a good place to start off with that conversation as far as something that's really neat about the health and wellness conversation nowadays is that it tends to be at the forefront. More and more people are paying attention to investing and learning about their health. What the downside is about that is that there tends to be a lot of noise and confusion and like, wait, is this good for me? Or I know I'm bio-individual now. I appreciate how that conversation is more so common than not, then it gets to, okay, well, what will work for me? And something about Chinese medicine, in addition to the bio-individuality, is thinking about where you are. For example, Yanet's not in San Diego. She's in a different city. So something to consider would be the weather around her, the season around her, and taking that into consideration. An example would be if you are in, say, Alaska or somewhere where it's really cold, it wouldn't necessarily be the best place to have an acai bowl and a bunch of ice cream. It's cold on top of cold. The basic, basic, basic theories of Chinese medicine are it's cool, too cool. You warm it up. When something's too hot, you cool it down. If something's more deficient, it's lacking in resources. How can we supplement that or add more resources to there? If something is an excess, how do we tone that down? So it's really harmonizing yin and yang over again and over again so that there is this harmony. So what tends to happen, whether it's illness or us not reaching our goals, is that there's some kind of extremism going on. Maybe it's like, okay, I haven't changed up this thing over and over again. And the reason why it might not be working is because you need to dial back a little bit and do something that might be the clinical opposite or try something new. And as far as you mentioned, your audience really loves ideas, hacks, practices to increase energy. And you mentioned sleep before. Sleep is probably something that everyone could take to another level, even if you're sleeping really well. One of the best practices I like to share with others, because it's free, no cost, is allowing yourself to give your eyes anywhere from about 20 to 30 minutes of morning sunlight within 30 minutes of waking. So granted, we are all in different time zones. So it totally depends. And for most people, what happens is that we might wake up, stay inside, get ready for work, and then go to work in a car and then go to work. Or even if we're working from home, stay inside for most of the day and then get outside maybe around noon, which could be cool. However, what happens when you get outside within the first 30 minutes of waking, this allows the sunlight, I like to say, love into our eyes which activates brain cells within our eyes. So this actually sets off timers for different hormones and neurotransmitters to basically tell our body what time of day it is and to get ready already by that time for sleep way later. So it kind of sets off some tickers so that different hormones build up and it sends different neurotransmitters like, hey, it's morning time, we're awake. That makes sense. That kind of idea. That makes so much sense. And you just walk out or do you have to look straight into a sun? Like, is there a difference here? <laughs> Great clarification. So highly recommend not looking directly at the sun. We That's what my husband it. told me. So I need to <laughs> tell him like, hey, hey, Dr. Chloe told me you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I like to say, allow the sunlight to love into your eyes. When I say this, what I have as a picture and what I share with clients 
is that what you could do is you can look straight out in the distance. You can look a little bit up and to the left or the right of the sun, but never so much so that it hurts your eyes, that you're looking directly at the source of the light. Yeah. Because what you want to do is allow the photons or the light rays to actually just love into your eyes, kind of like if you were to see little, little circles, little bubbles almost just into your eyes. So you could do that by stepping outside. I love to do a morning walk because that forward motion actually helps you move forward mentally and emotionally as well. It helps to move the energy. It's light. It's gentle. It's You don't have to go for a run. Most people would benefit from more so slow, lighter activity in the mornings based on the go, go, go lifestyle that many of us live in. Mm -hmm. I love that. And what about acupuncture? I've always thought of like, oh my gosh, should I try acupuncture? But I'm a little bit scared of those needles. So I want you to clarify this and tell me the benefits because I want to try it. (laughs) Absolutely. I actually know an amazing acupuncturist in the Houston area. She's phenomenal. And the needles first and foremost. So if you can imagine the hair that you have, it's maybe some of them are maybe as thin as that or thinner. So it's a very, very thin needle. It's going to be different from the hypodermic needles that you might see at the conventional doctor's office that where you're getting shots or IVs, different things like that. So it's different needles and the method of insertion is going to vary depending on how they're treating you, what they're treating you for and the practitioner themselves. For example, there's different thicknesses, different practices, different things like that. So sharing with your acupuncturist and just like finding a coach, interviewing different ones to see how they resonate for you. Is this someone you can see yourself opening up to partnering with, et cetera, will make a difference so that you do feel comfortable throughout the session. The actual process and experience of acupuncture, many will describe as a very relaxing, a very calming experience. Wow. Why this is, is that acupuncture actually directly taps into our nervous system. So that specific neurotransmitters are released, specific receptors are activated so that specific hormones are also regulated. So when it comes to energy and when it comes to that sense of peace, calm and balance, that helped me so much when I was first introduced to acupuncture, this can help on all fronts. We like to say that. And I imagine you've had this conversation with clients as well through mental emotional release. When the body is existing in more of a parasympathetic restoration state, that's where the healing really gets upregulated. That's where healing is increased. And this is where also we have more access to resources mentally, cognitively. So someone who is an entrepreneur or a business owner, these were a lot of my clients. These are a lot of my clients, whether it was in Santa Monica or here in San Diego, because they wanted to be more creative. They wanted to improve their learning capacity. They wanted to improve their memory recall and essentially their performance. So they knew that being able to train their body to feel more and more comfortable and more easily go into that parasympathetic state was going to give them an ROI in the business world, in addition to the health side of things as well. So whether it's for mental or emotional concerns of anxiety, stress, et cetera, acupuncture is very beneficial. More and more studies are also coming out about how it can help with a multitude of different things, whether it's fertility, whether it's digestive concerns, even the side effects of cancer. So many, many different things can be helped with acupuncture. 
And usually it's a matter of finding the right practitioner because just like doctors, each of us will have our specialties. Each of us will have the things that we really bring a lot of our passions into. For example, I work at an office or a clinic. I rent a room where my colleague, he specializes a little bit more in neuromanipulation or manipulating our nerves so that the decrease in inflammation can be addressed that way. I've also got practitioners who specialize in more orthopedics. So like the knee injuries or post-surgery, different things like that. There's going to be fertility specialists, everything that you could, almost everything that you could possibly think of with a more working with the body approach versus band-aid approach, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. And it's all about the energetic centers, right? Just tapping into those energetic centers in your body so you can tap into the energy of like that you're supposed to be, like you said about Chinese medicine. Yes. And what's really neat is that modern science is catching up with all of the evidence of Chinese medicine. So while Chinese medicine was already treating things like viruses or fevers or different things like that with acupuncture and or herbs, what's super cool is to read these studies over and over as far as why this is happening. Oh, this makes sense because when you activate this specific point with acupuncture, this is what's happening at a neurochemical or a biochemical level. It's upregulating dopamine. Maybe it's decreasing different kinds of chemicals that would cause someone to feel or experience more pain and inflammation. So it's actually downregulating a lot of the inflammation that tends to be the root cause for many, many disorders, concerns, et cetera. Wow. And I mean, in terms of stabilizing, right? Because the needle, what I'm thinking is that needle may be a trigger. And then what happens after is a response, right? Trigger response, trigger response, (laughs) right? Like from trainers training and Corey, what happens to the body after acupuncture when you decide not to have that needle anymore, but want to access the response? I mean, how does acupuncture balance out the body for you to naturally produce anything you need to produce in order to achieve that harmony. Totally. So we could think about this, I'll approach this from a couple of different aspects. For one, when it comes to the biochemical changes, this is going to be really neat in the way that it's going to increase that parasympathetic activity so the healing continues to occur. It's mm. really neat. Dr. Matt, the teacher who we both learned it from, he has a cool teaching that I've learned from, from the health and healing paradigm, where I appreciate the way he frames healing. It's either increasing you're in a state, you're doing things, you are doing specific actions and behaviors that are either increasing or decreasing health. So acupuncture is a part of creating that upward momentum towards the goals that you desire, health goals, performance goals, etc. So this might be addressing the inflammation. This might be creating your regulating the nervous system in a way that could tell your body, Hey, it's safe to relax. I believe that was a big thing for me when I was first having my acupuncture experience back in the day where it was like, Whoa, my body forgot how to actually relax because I was in such a fight or flight, go, go, go kind of state. That was my baseline. So with each acupuncture session, I was able to move that baseline up a little bit more each time. So that my new baseline was higher for being able to have a wider zone of resilience from the energetic aspect. What happens from an esoteric acupuncture perspective is that 
with the needles itself, we're actually utilizing them in a specific sequence, in a specific order to create sacred geometry across the body. This is going to help to align the energetic centers, also known as chakras, so that someone is able to find their center again. Chinese medicine has been described as a medicine to help someone return back to their center over and over again. And whether it's Chinese medicine or something I'm learning as well as human design, these are both systems to help someone return back to their authority, to return back to their center, their heart, their intuition. Because truly, no matter what doctor you're working with, myself included, we don't know you as well as you know you. We simply get to be a guide and a reflection so that you can get to know yourself even better with various awareness tools, various prompts, contemplations for you to move through so that you feel more grounded in who you are, creating that clarity so that you can connect to your purpose and express that in a way that feels authentic for you. So I think that answers the question. If not, we could totally circle back to answer the question (laughs) perfectly. So thank you so much. I want to really try it out. So you need to message me the details of the Houston acupuncturist because after I come back from my trainings, I'm going to be there. I'm going to try it out. I love trying things out. And like you said, trusting my experience, you know, there are many methods to get to the same place, to get into to tap into your intuition, your purpose. I think it depends on each one of us to find the right one for us, right? So absolutely. I just love that. So let's talk a little bit about stress, right? A lot of the pain points of the podcast listeners are, you know, they're trying to balance work. They're trying to balance family. They're trying to find their purpose, the fulfillment, right? And they have a scattered focus in terms of like so many things that they are doing, 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 like you mentioned. What are some of the symptoms that you see in the body based on your experience in Chinese medicine and everything else related to stress? And based on your experience, what are the things that people really struggle with the most to balance out or harmonize or everything else, anything that may come to mind? Absolutely. This is a big conversation, something that I'm very passionate about, especially for this audience, the people who are growth oriented, and they're up to a lot of big things. And it's an important conversation to have because according to the CDC, an estimated 90% of our healthcare spending actually goes towards mental health conditions and stress related disorders. Crazy. And so this is something that can be prevented. This is something that can be addressed. And there's a couple of different perspectives to approach this idea and this experience of what is stress. One would be, and this is perfect given your audience and given what you do, what we both do as well, is to consider what is our perception of stress and really getting clear on what that is. It doesn't have to be good or bad. It's really getting clear on how are we relating to that. There is, like we mentioned before, where if it's too much of something or not enough of something, that's where the trouble occurs. So we actually don't have enough stress. Maybe we're not getting enough done kind of idea. So stress isn't necessarily bad. It can actually be the prerequisite to a flow state, which is where we feel our best and we are performing our best. However, if it's an excess of stress where maybe someone is having trouble falling asleep at night because they're laying in bed and all of a sudden they're feeling almost wired. Wired yet tired is the common phrase that I hear from clients and the people I work with. 
Maybe it's the afternoon crash. Maybe it's the waking up and there's no appetite because they're already in a state of like, what do I need to do? It's such a big day. I have so much of my to-do list kind of idea. So the appetite actually shuts down because the parasympathetic rest and digest part of our nervous system is actually shut down. They're already in fight or flight as soon as they wake up. This might look like not being able to focus. They read a page in a book that they want to read, but they're not retaining the information. They have to go back and go back over and over again. They might notice themselves with a lower tolerance in their relationships. They might become a little bit more irritable with things that shouldn't necessarily be super irritating and they might snap with themselves or others. And they know that they didn't want to, it was just so automatic. So it's kind of like their resources are getting tapped because they got pushed towards the excess part instead of that happy medium, a happy version, a happy zone, quote unquote, of stress might look like, okay, I'm in the gym and I know the stress is going to make me stronger. It's enough that's kind of at my edge, but it's not pushing me over the edge. It's that kind of stress that allows you to focus on the task at hand and actually be so present that you lose track of time. There's a sense of selflessness and it almost feels effortless after you move through that initial stress or that initial friction for that task at hand kind of idea. So when it comes to managing that excess of stress, say someone has a lot on their plate and it feels like it's almost overwhelming. There's something that I like to share. There's two things I like to share. One of them Maybe you've shared this with your audience before, and this could be a refresher would be Hakalau. Another way that people describe this from the literature is panoramic vision. So when you open your vision by focusing on a point in the distance, focusing on that one point and dilating your focus so that you see more possibilities, you see more to the right and to the left, opening your vision. Physically, you are opening your vision and also mentally, you're opening your mind to more possibilities, allowing yourself to be even more present. So this is a really cool tool that they actually have studies on teaching this to those who have been diagnosed with ADHD to help them regain focus during specific moments of high stress or distraction. That's beautiful. It's just like zooming out, right? When you zooming out. Even in negotiations, that's when the issues and the lack of focus start happening. You just zoom out and see the bigger picture. So I love that you brought that up. Okay, I'm enjoying this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then the other one, it's really accessible as well. It can take anywhere from three to 10 seconds. Most of us have about three to 10 seconds in our day, no matter what is going on, right? That's true. (laughs) So this would be two inhales through the nose, one exhale fully and completely through the mouth. So what that specifically looks like is taking a deep inhale in. And at the top of your inhale, you take another inhale and then you empty out fully and completely emptying out your lungs entirely. Some people might need a couple more after that initial one. The average of those, they're called physiological size, tends to be one to three And it will automatically revert or shift the body into that parasympathetic state. The reason for that is that specific neurons are activated that cause the alveoli, basically these cool little, almost like uh, bubbles inside of our lungs to expand even more. And it causes with that long exhale, it causes the body to take excess carbon dioxide out of the bloodstream 
and be excreted through the air, essentially being able to modulate your state and how you feel. So it's utilizing the body to get access to the brain to where you are as far as focus goes and tension, attention, intention, and energy as well. Oh my God, that's beautiful. And it reminded me of this meditation I'm doing from Dr. Dispenza. Even before the meditation, he does a breath work that he makes you hold the breath on the top like for the longest time ever. And then you excel. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, are we there yet? Like I'm dying. (laughs) Am I going to (laughs) die? And so I love because that was such a big reminder that we can do it. I mean, you don't need one hour to do this. You can do it in a few seconds. Like, Chloe mentioned. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So try those out. Let us know how those support you so that you can be more present with the people around you, your passions, and then therefore change and shift your experience of life as well. Beautiful. And something that I want to pick your brain, because this is something that I am working, to be honest with you, is balancing the doing and being energy, right? Because sometimes I am like, go, 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 go. Like, let's go. And I, people think I don't rest, but I do rest. I watch TV (laughs) every now and then. Okay. I'm going to admit it here. And sometimes for me, it's hard to tap into that being energy. And when I tap pull into the being energy, then I lose the momentum of the doing. So I don't know, maybe energetically, I need to get a lesson here. What are your thoughts in regards to balancing and harmonizing being and doing and when to fully embrace being and step back from doing. I'm sure this is an individual thing, but I would love to pick your brain since you're so knowledgeable in this mind-body connection area. I appreciate that because it's such a big question. And I believe that I'm so practicing that as well. When it comes to how or how each of us is practicing it, it's going to be at different levels. Yeah. Not to say one is above or below any of them. It's just different levels. And so when it comes to the being and the doing kind of energy, something I like to share with my clients is to think of the being energy as a energetic signature. So anything that you are doing, how do you want to show up to that? What kind of person do you want to be as you do what you are doing? So this is in the middle of the doing. This is the aspect where you can, I appreciate you said the word harmonize, where you can harmonize the two. So while you might be doing a lot, who do you want to be as you're doing that? What kind of emotional, energetic signature do you want to bring to those activities? Say we do have some of those days that are packed with meetings, client sessions, whatever it might be, setting an intention at the beginning of the day can make a big difference because Mm. then you get to get clear on who you are being as you are doing all these things. The other aspect to that would be as high achievers, as growth oriented people, having white space in your calendar can be so helpful. For example, what this might literally look like would be scheduling in your Google calendar, white space, or I like to say, if I'm looking to be more creative, I block out time for a little creative cocoon. This means airplane mode on. This means there's a intention at the beginning, but there's not so much an agenda. I might want specific questions asked and answered of myself. For example, the last time it was really, it felt super delicious. I created a creative cocoon for six hours on a Sunday. 
airplane mode went on, I jotted down some big questions that I was grappling with, some things that I knew that at the level of consciousness where I was then, I had some ideas, but they weren't landing with me as the answers to these questions. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to be able to create and hold the space for essentially me to have revealed or download those answers for those questions, whether it was what kind of course did I want to create? When did I want to create it? Who was it for? How did I want to pivot my business at this certain time that I was doing this creative cocoon? And so what was so neat was that I actually had all these intentions to go through this course I was putting off on creating the course, read the specific book I was putting off. And then what I ended up doing was actually a Dr. Joe Dispenza meditation. It was one of his 90 minute meditations. I sat down, went into meditation and literally all of the answers dropped into my conscious mind. Didn't need to do the, like watch the course, read the book, et cetera. And it was even more vivid and even more clear than I likely could have obtained if I had sat down and had more input coming in from an external source versus tapping into my own clarity, creating the space to listen for my own gut and intuition to be guided by what some might describe as my higher self. So when it comes to when you're in those activities, it might look like checking in, who do I want to be right now? Who am I being right now? Is this in alignment with how I want to be showing up? Is this the energetic signature that I want to leave after I'm complete with this task? And then planning ahead, it might look like creating that white space. I remember that same Sunday, I got a text from a friend. Hey, can you do acupuncture for this? Like, I can't share their name. You're going to have to share an NDA. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, oh that's my God. What? Now I'm curious. Now I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. I have plans. Can I share a referral with you? Oh, I, I love it. Boundaries. You are like, wait, this is my space right now. Oh, that's beautiful. It's big. And the question, it might serve some of your audience. And it's something I keep coming back to is with every yes that we say, what are we also needing to say no to? Yes. Oh my God. That's a huge With that yes, it was like, okay, this was a big yes for myself. But if I said yes to that other opportunity, it could have been cool. It could have been a resume builder, whatever it might be. And this yes that I needed to say, it was much bigger. It was not so much louder, honestly. It was just deeper and it was more resonant too. So it's being able to distinguish that as a practice over and over because I imagine that your audience can think of times when the yes was louder, but it maybe wasn't as resonant. It was more urgent, but it wasn't the important yes that would take them maybe faster or in a way that was more in alignment with their values and where they were to where they want to go. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And I'm asking you to be honest, like this last year and a half has been like crazy. As you know, I transitioned from my corporate job to entrepreneurship. Three very close relatives passed away the first time in my life. So it was kind of a shock. And then (laughs) I had a miscarriage literally weeks ago. So all of these things and I had a breakthrough session literally the day of the miscarriage, which Mm -hmm. I rescheduled until the next day. And after that, I had another breakthrough session. So I've been doing, doing, doing and going, going, going. And I think in the last, within the last week and this week, I've been feeling this call to just go slower, (laughs) like just like go slower, step back and have this time just to tap into that being energy without any hurry, you know, without any hurry of wanting or achieving or, 
And that's why I started listening at Dr. Mm -hmm. Jody Spenza because I just got this call to tap into the energy rather than because sometimes in entrepreneurship, you get this feeling of pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. And I just feel this, like I needed to balance that out with just like being, you know, sometimes it can be a lot as I'm sure you know. So I really appreciate your input here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that it is the time of late summer right now. So in Chinese medicine, there's almost a quote unquote extra season, an extra season in between summer and fall called late summer. And late summer is related to the earth element. There's five elements in Chinese medicine, fire, earth, metal, water, wood, and the earth element. This is about digestion. It is comprised of the spleen and stomach. It's ruling digestion. So energetically, we can think about how are we digesting and assimilating all the lessons that we've accumulated from the previous season or the previous year. So this is where Chinese medicine theories do come to play in our everyday life. So when it comes to slowing down seasonally, this is anyone for where we are, maybe not Australia right now, because they're going into different seasons, but with late summer specifically, what lessons are we needing to digest? And remembering that we are in this really infinitely intelligent body. And it's, I say that as a means of, hey, so when I get this lesson by this time, I'm going to do this versus I'm open to listening, like really listening, not being on anyone else's agenda, but my own and my body's agenda, because it's picking up more signals than we can perceive consciously. So with that call to slow down, whatever that looks like for each of us, it's that courage truly in a go, go, go world. Yeah. You slow down, that makes the biggest difference Uh because it's truly radical to say, hey, actually, can we push this meaning back? I just need some time to be right now. Or I just, you know, a lot's going on right now and I got to trust my gut on this. And more and more, I think as we get to lead in that way, it'll normalize that kind of conversation. And then we'd be able to support each other and being able to make decisions from a place of alignment, from a place of, hey, I'm listening to my authority, my center right now. And by me doing so, it's super cool because I know when you do that, I'm going to respect that even more so too. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so beautiful. And such a great reminder that everyone needs to listen at this moment. I know we are at 4 p.m. here Central, and I want to be respectful of your time. Do you have five more minutes? <laughs> I do, yeah. Okay, cool. I just wanted to check in. What about being energized? I mean, I have so many clients that they wish to wake up energized and, you know, go through the day just tapping into this energy. As we know, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It is transformed. And I see this all the time in my coaching sessions. Sometimes I may not be super energized, but when I leave, I'm like, oh my God, I love what I do. I love life. So what are some practices or maybe foods? I don't know, whatever you do, I trust you. (laughs) What are some things that we can all do to be more energized? Totally appreciate that. (laughs) When it comes to some lifestyle shifts that maybe someone can implement straight away, you or maybe some of your audience have already heard of the Pomodoro technique. Oh my God, that's my fave. So good. So you're working from anywhere from 45 minutes to maybe 90 minutes. And 
if this is new to you, highly recommend starting in about 45 minutes because it's 45 minutes of focused work and then anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes of a break, right? Our brain actually goes into more of a hypnotic trance after 90 minutes. So 90 minutes is the most ideal, like long-term work slash focus segment. So when it comes to that, a way to take this to the next level would be during that break, move slash change your physical position. So if you can imagine someone's at their desk, maybe they're on Zoom like this, and they did their 40 minutes, maybe they did their 90 minutes, actually getting up out of that position and totally doing something else, totally doing something else. Bonus points if you go outside and allow the sun to love into your eyes, ground, etc. whatever it is, allow yourself to shift physical positions so that your body actually also gets a rest, not only your mind, but your body gets a rest. Some people actually like to even do even just two minutes of closing their eyes and allowing themselves to give a suggestion to their mind, like, all right, I want to integrate all the lessons, all the skills, everything that I just did. And I want to release any stress, any energy from this task. I want to release that. And then before going into the next task, set a new intention. That way it prevents the buildup of anything from task to task to task to task getting built up. So at the end of the day, instead of clearing just the last task, the energy from that, anything you took on, etc., you're only clearing the last 90 minutes or the last couple of hours versus the last, you know, eight hours of work. So having those clearing and then setting new intention tasks, it could take a couple of minutes is a game changer. It really is. So moving your body and then resetting the intention for each task on the physical aspect as well. Something I like to emphasize is the importance of ensuring that you are getting enough physical resources. What that looks like is, are you eating enough protein to sustain your lifestyle? Most people are surprised to see how much protein they are not eating when they start tracking this. Mm -hmm. So usually with clients, I have them start off just for a week, no changes, just track how much protein are they consuming. Protein would be from ideally whole food sources. And many of them are surprised to see that maybe it's anywhere from 40 to 60 grams. And yes, protein is so important for building and repairing our muscles and tissues. It's also really important for our, our immune system. If we look at the marker, if I were to run a stool test, for example, for a client and look at their secretory IgA marker, IgA stands for, let's see if I could get it, immuno, secretory immunoglobulin, which is a protein. So our immune system is built on protein. So we need those resources to have that resiliency physically as well. So that's going to be really important. And of course, if someone is more active and they are an entrepreneur, I'm going to ask them to really make sure that this is there, whether that looks like smaller meals throughout the day, every four to six hours, if they just aren't someone who wants to eat a lot for three meals, maybe it looks like four or five meals so that they are hitting their protein count. That might look like on average about a gram of protein for every pound of lean muscle mass. You could round up because sometimes the scale, I mean, 
always the skeleton doesn't give you the full story so you aren't sure exactly how much yes and it's muscle mass not your whole body weight totally so on average this might be anywhere from 70 to 100 grams of protein per day for the average person so most people really do feel and notice the shifts when they start to increase their protein and they might even notice their appetite for other things like carbohydrates, which actually are super duper important, especially for high performing entrepreneurs and business owners, their appetite for the more starchy stuff might actually decrease because they're increasing their satiety at each meal because there's something called a protein synthesis theory, or essentially this theory that we will continue to eat until our protein needs are met which is why many people overeat because we're not eating enough protein. Wow, that's good. Oh, so, I didn't know that. The protein aspect is a huge one. And of course, the other aspect with that would be the other macronutrient, which would be carbohydrates are so important. It's our fastest source of glucose or energy for our brain specifically. So if someone, for example, was having, I was having this conversation with a student trainer's training for NLP, he was just kind of out of it. I was like, Hey, when was your last meal? (laughs) He's like, uh, it was a while ago and I'm doing keto. I was like, okay, maybe for this training, would you be open to experimenting with having carbs more often so that you have that quick hit of energy for your brain specifically pair it with a fiber or pair it with fat or pair it with protein. So it's not just the carb by itself to balance the blood sugar levels. But pair it with something so that your brain, as we're soaking up all of this content, we're doing a lot of learning. We're doing a lot of processing creativity wise, right? It's a lot, especially in those conference kind of situations, having protein and carbohydrates is going to be so helpful for sustaining energy so that you can get the most out of your training. So you can learn better, perform better, and really be present with everyone else around you. Oh, I love it. I'm going to keep that in mind in these next three weeks. <laughs> Yay, I cannot wait. I'm just so excited. Okay, last question. And then we are going into rapid fire questions. So I lied. It's not the last question, but the rest are super quick. I did a podcast episode on this topic and it's one that I'm like super passionate about. And I would love to get your perspective on this. How do you distinguish between intuition and baggage? <laughs> super and, cool. Right? It's super <laughs> cool just to like think about it and brainstorm and see each other's perspective. We are definitely nerds, so we just love talking about these things. Yeah. But I think it's beneficial for everyone else. Let's definitely talk through this conversation. It's an important one. And when I think about emotional baggage, I think about how when our responses to the situation or to the event are disproportionate to what's actually happening, it's going to be emotional baggage. There's something else deeper going on, something else to resolve so that we can respond appropriately because it's not to say that no one will experience grief, anger, sadness in the future. It's just a matter of, is it experiencing the grief, the anger, the sadness for this event? Or this event and then a lot of the previous other events where the emotions weren't resolved, they weren't processed, especially if emotions are energy in motion. So when it comes to that, the tangible examples that comes to mind would be something happens and then you hear a voice in your head that's not so ecological. It's not promoting wholeness. It's not 
from a place of congruency and alignment with your values. It might be like, uh, like, well, what would be a good one about frustration? Well, yeah, see, I should never try anything new because I'm bad at everything. And that's not your intuition. That's baggage. Yeah, it's exactly. very extreme and it's not promoting wholeness. It's not a positive learning. It's not positive guidance for yourself and the future slash the present at hand. So the intuition is going to be more positive. It's going to be about keeping yourself safe, whether that's safe emotionally, mentally, or physically. Your intuition might sound more so like a guidance. I was going to say a guidance grandmother kind of idea. It's something that's going to have more reverence and more rapport with you. Yeah. And sure, depending on what the baggage is, it might seem like the baggage is more rapport with where you're at. And is it positive? Is it guiding yourself to a result that would be ecological, so good for yourself, for others, and the collective? Or is it something that's maybe only good for yourself or maybe only good for someone else and not even yourself kind of idea? I love it. I mean, that's exactly what I mentioned in the episode. It hasn't published yet, but it will be before this one. And I also mentioned that intuition most all of the time really is out of love, something that you want to move towards. And then baggage is more out of fear and scarcity. And it's usually a moving away from what I can think of was like a few years back. I really didn't, was not enjoying, I wanted to say hate, was not enjoying the work I was having. And I honestly tried to leave and transition into entrepreneurship that didn't work out. This was like nine years ago. And my motivation was I hated this. So I wanted to leave this place, not because I had a bigger vision or something that I was really working towards. I didn't even have a plan. And when I transitioned voluntarily last year, I loved the corporate job that I had. I loved the community, but it was more of an aspiration, like something that I loved and I was working towards. So, oh my God, I love it. Okay. I'm so happy I got your perspective. Okay, as we conclude, we are going to do a rapid fire questions and then you're going to tell everyone how to contact you if they're interested. I know you just finished your quit smoking training so you can give a little blur about it. Since I know you're working on that, I think that that would be super meaningful. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Okay, <laughs> what's your favorite book? Oh, my <laughs> favorite book. One of my most recommended books. So when I came to mind because I just shared about it in my newsletter was The Big Leap. So this is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And what I really appreciate about this book, and I read it about one to two times a year, actually, as a sort of check-in. Really? Okay, I need it, to check this out. Totally. It describes four different zones, and I'll describe two of the zones that have been really a topic of conversation lately where there's the zone of excellence and the zone of genius. The zone of genius is where you thrive. This is like what could be where someone feels their best. They're performing their best. It's really like they're living. They're really expressing their purpose, their most authentic self. The zone of excellence is where they're doing really great work. And it's kind of uh, tricky in a way where it can be very seductive because they're good at what they're doing. Yet there's something missing, whether it's fulfillment, a sense of purpose, they know there's a little bit of a gap there. And the big leap is from your zone of excellence, the zone of genius. Oh, that's so meaningful. And so, I mean, that's exactly what we are doing here in this podcast, right? <laughs> so 
I need to read this book. I am a book lover, a nerd, just like you. So I'm going to check it out. The Big Leap, everyone. Okay, describe yourself in one word. The first one that comes to mind. One word. One word. The first one that comes to mind. The first one that came to mind is resilient. Resilient. What's your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? My favorite part about being an entrepreneur is the opportunity to contribute in a way that feels good. And it's a win-win-win situation. So kind of like what we mentioned before is creating clarity on who I want to work with, how I can help them with the specific problems or obstacles they're facing, and how do I want to do that? So embracing entrepreneurship in a creative, fulfilling, and really fun way. I love it. I love it. What's the most challenging part? The most challenging part would be how it also gets to be a mirror of where our next opportunity for growth is. <laughs> That's true. I love it. And last question, what's the best piece of advice someone has ever given to you? Mm. What's present for me right now is to keep what's important, important. Uh. Especially in today's day and age, as entrepreneurs, as partners, as friends, whatever it may be, it's the importance of keeping what's important, important. So, as many of your audience knows, you also talk about values. And so being able to live in a way that is in alignment with our values can be the difference that makes the difference. So keeping what's important, important. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm so happy we got to talk. We got to catch up and we are sharing this with our communities. We are going to create so much value because you have an immense wealth of knowledge, experience, information. And I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast episode, they're going to enjoy it so much. So thank you so much for joining Dr. Chloe. And how can our audience like reach out to you, find you, tell us all of your information? <laughs> totally. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's always such a joy to connect with you and chat with you. I always learn from you as well. And I love helping entrepreneurs, business owners to end patterns of self-sabotage or burnout like smoking or things like insomnia, et cetera, or those stories, those silly stories of I'm never good enough. And by doing this to help them experience more peak performance. So I'm most active on Instagram. I'm dr.chloehom, so dr.chloehom on Instagram. And then my website is chloehom.com. Kind of fun to say. And there's more information on all of my offerings. And I would love, I love chatting with others on Instagram. So definitely screenshot this episode wherever you're listening to it. Send us both a hello. I would love to hear more about what you learned and how each of us could contribute as well. So thank you so much for having me on here. It's always a joy to share time and space with you, Yannette. Thank you so much, Dr. Chloe. And thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll see you again next week in another episode of with clarity and purpose see you soon bye bye thank you so much for listening at with clarity and purpose i really hope you enjoyed today's episode sharing is caring please share with your friends and family so we can continue building an empowered community together i'll see you next week